Before Jesus was taken to be crucified, he prayed for his disciples and for us. He said, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. What does this perfect unity look like, church? What does it mean to become one? There are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Now we could spend a long time, weeks, unpacking everything that that passage tells us that love requires, right? But we're going we're gonna to land on this. Wholeness is coming. That's what the end of that passage says. It's all dim and hazy to us now. But in the end, wholeness is coming, right? The work of the cross is the work of shalom. That's the one true narrative of redemption. But in the interim, on the way to the wholeness, love is the most important piece. We see it over and over and over again in the scriptures. So how do we walk this way of love? How do we participate in the Jesus way, the third way, the way of love? So today we're gonna look at three words that I think will give us a framework really understanding this third way and really offering us a way to practice love that looks a lot like Jesus. All right? So the first word is incarnation. Incarnation. We've talked about this before. This is what we talked about last time. This is the hill to die on, right? We're going to read this out of Romans 4 in the message. The earlier revelation, that is the Old Testament, the earlier revelation was intended simply to get us ready for the Messiah, who then puts everything right for those who trust him to do it. Moses wrote that anyone who insists on using the law code to live right before God soon discovers it's not so easy. Every detail of life regulated by fine print. But trusting God to shape the right living in us is a different story. No precarious climb up to heaven to recruit the Messiah. No dangerous descent into hell to rescue the Messiah. So what exactly was Moses saying? The word that saves is right here. As near as the tongue in your mouth, as close as the heart in your chest. It's the word of faith that welcomes God to go to work in setting things right for us. This is the core of our preaching. Say the welcoming word to God. Jesus is my master embracing body and soul, God's work of doing in us what he did in raising Jesus from the dead. And that's it. You're not doing anything. You're simply calling out to God and trusting him to do it for you. That's salvation. With your whole being, you embrace God setting things right. And then you say it right aloud. God has set everything right between him and me. This is a beautiful description of what happens in this moment of incarnation, in this moment of inviting Jesus to come alive in us, 
right? And that is the work of God. That is the work of the cross. That is God's deepest desire for every human soul, right? So here's the thing. If we haven't embraced this idea of incarnation, we cannot walk very far into the third way. We cannot walk very far into that space because really the only way we can enter the third way space, the Jesus way space, is by Jesus alive in us, is by the incarnation of Christ in us. God is alive in you. If you've invited Jesus to come alive, then he is alive in you. Now, we're gonna think about this, right? If Jesus is alive in us, then perhaps we need to look at patterning our engagement into the third way space in the same way that Jesus patterned his engagement with us, right? Jesus is alive in us, so if we want to live in the third way as he did, we need to look at the way that he engaged us, the way that he lived. And I will tell you that a lot of this teaching comes from Peter Cicero's work in the Emotionally Healthy Church. So while I'm not verbatim quoting him this morning, I'm gonna give him some credit. So you can read more there if you'd like. But the other two words we're gonna look at today, the way of Jesus, intimacy and identity. Intimacy and identity. Those are our other two words. And that is the pattern, the model, the way that Jesus came to us, that Jesus came to earth. So that's how we're going to look at it today. Now, my girls, my children, love the descendants. Does anyone else in here? I don't know if we have so many in that age group that you guys like the descendants? All right. I have a feeling when Elements Got Talent comes around, we might be hearing some Descendants music. Yep, I thought so. So they, they love the Descendants. It is tween heaven in my home. And they listen to, if you don't know what the Descendants is, it's like a Disney live action, the sons and daughters of the princesses and villains, and they have a life together. It's really amazing and not boring at all. And the music is also amazing. So the Descendants. The girls listen to the music all the time, all the time. And so, you know, I don't always necessarily listen to every lyric in the songs, but they're, they're fun and they love to sing them. However, there's one song that they've been singing a lot and they wanted to play it in the car the other week and it's called The Space Between. And they were like, mom, turn this up. It's our favorite song, turn it up. So I turned it up and Kayla says, mom, wouldn't this be a great song to sing at church? I'm like, okay, the descendants, let's listen. And I listen to the words. And like, I can't tell you the spirit of victory that came into my heart when I realized that my kid knew that this was a song we should sing in church. Like something in her understood this idea of meeting in the space between and that it was worth bringing into this space to have that conversation here. And it kind of blew my mind because she's so right. It's exactly a song that we should sing in church. So I'm going to read you just a few lyrics. I'm not going to sing it for you today. Lyrics. You can find me in the space between where two worlds come to meet. I'll never be out of reach because you're a part of me. So you can find me in the space between. You'll never be alone. No matter where you go, we can meet in the space between. Guys, this is what Jesus did. Let's look at it a little bit deeper today, okay? This is what he's saying. 
we are a part of him, and he'll meet us in that space between, the third way, the third way space. Jesus came to this earth fully human and fully God, right? And we hear that all the time, right? We've heard that, fully man, fully God. But let's think today about what that really means. What did it really mean that Jesus was completely a human and completely God? Creator, redeemer, the full picture of God in human form. What did that really mean? All right, time for props to come. These also light up, so don't get too crazy. You too, you're my helpers today. No, you're not, you're not actually gonna hula hoop. You're gonna just only do what I say to do. Got it? Can you handle this? Now listen. I'm so nervous. Okay, here's kind of what I think. No, we're not gonna bounce. Here's what I think when we think about the space between. I think we visualize this like a Venn diagram. Hold your, hold your hula hoop up a minute. Hold it up so it's facing the crowd. Yep, nope, nope, yep, like that. All right, a Venn diagram. The, the circles come together, right? The circles come together just a little bit. Nope, not that. Yep, right there. Perfect. <laughs> and that's what we kind of picture with this space between, right? Well, this must be the common ground right there, right? And that's kind of what we picture. But this person over here is still a whole person, right? And this person over here is still a whole person. So this space between here, is that really what we're talking about? Is that what Jesus did? No, Jesus was fully God and fully man. I think we need to start thinking about this in a third dimensional way. So turn your hoops out so that they're, yep, just like that. It's that space between, right? It's this space between, it's not what overlaps. It's the space between, and as we walk the Jesus way, they come closer and closer together, right? As we walk the Jesus way. Thank you girls for your lovely object lesson. Okay, go sit. Go give them to daddy. Okay. All right. So here's what I mean. Intimacy and identity. That's what those two circles are. We're not overlapping intimacy and identity to find a space between. No. We're fully engaging intimacy while fully holding on to our identity. So here's what I mean. Jesus demonstrated the intimacy of entering into our world fully as a human to face every feeling that every human has ever faced, every temptation, every joy, every sorrow, every pain. He came to actually experience it fully as a human. There's no further intimacy he could have, he could have found than that, right? Let's look at this in Hebrews 2, 14 through 18. Since we, God's children, are human beings made of flesh and blood, he became flesh and blood too by being born in human form. For only as a human being could he die, and in dying, break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in that way could he deliver those through fear, through, could he deliver those who, through fear of death, have been living all their lives as slaves to constant dread. We all know that he did not come as an angel, but as a human being, yes, a Jew. And it was necessary for Jesus to be like us, his brothers, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God, a priest who would be both merciful to us and faithful to God in dealing with the sins of the people. 
For since he himself had now been through suffering and temptation, he knows what it is like when we suffer and are tempted and is wonderfully able to help us. He knows what it is like. So I don't watch too much TV, a few shows here and there. But one show Chris and I have found ourselves watching is called The Good Place. Now, it is not my idea of accurate theology in any way, in any form. It's about the afterlife, and there's a good place and a bad place, and I won't give everything away. But there's something very interesting that happened in an episode not too long ago, because basically they, they decide that the system for judging who goes to, to the good place and the bad place is, like, not fair. And so there's this judge character that is supposed to, they're taking it to her to decide whether it's fair or not. And in the show, what happens is that the judge decides to go live as a human. Because the judge can't understand, like, why isn't the system fair? And so the judge goes to actually live as a human. And soon comes to see that nothing is fair and life is way harder than she thought, right? Now, of course, that's not why Jesus came. There's not much parallel there. But what's interesting is this conversation that this show is having about philosophy. And the question of... The, not the question, the need, the desire, the deep longing for humans to feel understood. For us to feel seen and known and understood and empathized with in a full and complete way, right? People pay therapists thousands of dollars to be able to have that experience. There's a quote by David Augsburger that says, being heard is so close to being loved but for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. I think we'd all agree with that statement, right? There's something pretty amazing about feeling heard and seen and known. And that is what Jesus did. God incarnated as a human. He stepped into our space, all the way into our space, felt our pain, felt our suffering, felt our joy. Yes, so he could be the sacrifice and pay the price for our sin, but also because he longs for intimacy. He longs for intimacy. We were literally created for intimacy with God. That's why we exist. That's why the human race exists, right? And this practice of intimacy is part of the third way. So if we're patterning ourselves after Jesus, just as he came to this earth to see us, to hear us, to know us, to be with us, so must we in this practice of love, in this effort to live in the third way, Develop a life of intimacy. Develop a life that chooses to go into the hard spaces and see people and hear people and know people and empathize with people. Not the people that we are. We're really good at doing that at Element, by the way. Obviously, we've learned so much about that here. We do it in our house churches. We do it in our community. And that's amazing. But I'm talking about unity on a bigger picture than just us, right? How often do we go into the spaces of our enemy? and empathize, and see, and hear, and seek to understand. That, that's what Jesus did. That is why Jesus came to this world. And we are invited to love in that same way. That's a huge part of the way that God loves us, right? This choice of empathy, of intimacy, is part of what love requires. It is part of what love requires, but it is not all is not all that love requires, right? 
The third way space is that space between. Jesus was fully human. He was also fully God. Okay? And so while we work hard to show our love by intimacy and empathy, we have to remain rooted in our identity. Now, Jesus called himself the Son of Man. That was his favorite way to refer to himself. But he was also the Son of God. Let's look here in Colossians. We look at this Son and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this Son and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank of angels, everything got its start in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade, he is supreme in the end. From the beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death his blood that poured down from the cross. I think that pretty much says it all, right? That is so fully God that there's even room to spare. Jesus is so fully and completely God. So if we're going to follow his example then in the third way space, just like we're following his example to seek intimacy, we also have to follow his example to be rooted in our identity to be rooted in our identity, which is Christian, Christ alive in us, little Christ, Jesus alive in us. That is the identity, beloved sons and daughters of God, right? Because if we don't spend as much energy and intention in being rooted into our identity as we do in working on intimacy, then what can happen to us is we can kind of become a chameleon, right? We can kind of morph ourselves into whatever space we're going into because we want to understand and we're trying to love and we're trying to, we have good intention, right? But we begin to morph. We begin to change. I know that I have done that in the past. When I've been a less bold version of myself, I have been a chameleon. I have changed to fit the values and the ideas of the people around me. And we do that. As humans, we do that. In fact, there's a lot of studies that show that we are actually the average of the five people we're closest to. The average, not only in ideology, not only in interests, but even in like weight and height even, which I don't, I tend to beg to differ on that one. But most of the, like most of the studies will show that we literally are the average of the five people we're closest to because we tend to merge with people that we are near. And so in this way of the third space, part of the wrestling is holding to the truth of our identity. That is just as much a part of the wrestling as the seeking for intimacy is. Just as much a part of it. Because identity matters. All right, how many of you guys like to run? Do we have any people that like to run in the room? A few, a few, all right, great, great. 
How many of those of you who like to run, or do run, would call yourself a runner? We got two, all right. Oh, we got three, all right. All right, so here's the deal. I grew up running, okay? And when I say that, I mean I was forced to run against my will, and my parents camp every summer, you had to run a mile in the morning, and I hated, hated, hated it. There was no activity that I hated worse than running. It, I thought I was gonna die every day. Like, it was the worst thing, right? And while I spent those summers running, I would have never called myself a runner. Like, that would not have been a thing I would have called myself, right? But then something changed in me along the way, and I, I started to want to run, which that's another story for another day, but I learned that it was good for me. I learned that it was good not only for my body, but for my mind, for my soul. It was a good thing. And so I wanted to run, right? And, and it helped me lose weight. And so I became stronger and I started liking running. But you know what? I still wouldn't have called myself a runner, right? Because a runner sounds like, like, that's, a runner sounds like running isn't a thing you do, it's a part of who you are, right? If someone calls you a runner, that's like a part of who you are. I wouldn't have called myself a runner. That would have been really stretching the scenario, right? But there's, okay, so we have this training app that we use to train for our marathons and all that, and there's a thing in it called a benchmark run. And so we run this run often, and it's the same audio that plays every time on these benchmark runs, and there's a part of it that says, you are a runner. You have always been a runner. And every time that would play, I'd be like, man, why, that's so dumb. Like, why would you say that? How can you even call anybody that? That's not even true. And I, I'm definitely not. So you're not motivating me, Mr. Coach Bennett. But I would listen to it. And part of me would be like, you know, I wonder, I wonder like what, what would be the change that would make me a runner? What, what would that be in me, right? But I'm not, because I'm not good enough at it yet. It's not really a part of who I am, so I'm not gonna call myself a runner. I'll never forget the day I went into my doctor's office for a checkup, an annual checkup. He was doing his thing, whatever, I'm just sitting there and he gets his stethoscope and he comes to my heart and he listens to my heart. And I'll never forget the moment he put the stethoscope down and he looked into my eyes with like respect and approval and he said, slow and steady, you must be a runner. And I, like almost lost it right there in the doctor's office because people had called me a runner before, but it never meant anything to me because they were only, they only knew the exterior appearance of a thing that I did. But this guy was li listening to my heart and he could tell I was a runner by what he heard in my heart. And I have called myself a runner ever since. Because there's something about knowing what's going on on the inside that's so different than just what's happening on the outside. And so running was no longer just a thing that I did. It was part of who I am, right? And I get really emotional every time I think of that experience, not just because I want to be a runner, but because I imagine the same thing happening with God. I imagine this God coming and putting his ear to my heart and looking back at me with a look of respect and approval and saying, daughter, it sounds like mine. You must be filled with love. And I pray that we all have that experience with God because that is the truth of our identity. 
And while Chip Bennett, Chip, not Bennett, Coach Bennett, couldn't always tell me that I was, had always been a runner, he was not right about that, I can tell you that you've always been a child of God. That's the truth, right? So I'm here today to tell you this. You are a child of God. You have always been a child of God. Love is not a thing you do. Love is who you are. Love is not a thing we do. Love is who we become. And that is the identity that we must remain rooted in if we're going to engage the space of the third way, right? And I hope that we will not lose it when we are, when we are wrestling with this intimacy and empathy and working to feel and see and know and understand another, I hope that we will still stand in the place of our identity with the spirit alive inside of us who is guiding us to speak the truth of grace and the truth from grace. I pray that we will be bold in that place, just as bold with our identity as we are with our intimacy, guys. Because that is the third way. That is the Jesus way. Standing fully in a place of intimacy. Standing fully in a place of identity. So band, you guys can come back up. We're going to sing a very beautiful invitation for our last song. But this is the unity that Jesus prayed for. Because as our souls align with Jesus, as we come more into this third place space, as we embrace the incarnation, wrestle with intimacy, and hold true to our identity, we become more like Jesus. And just like we saw those hula hoops coming closer and closer together, that's what happens to each of us. And that is the unity we prayed for. Beyond belief, beyond doctrine, beyond creed, that is the unity. That is the way of love. That is the third way in the picture of Shalom. Love does not require that we do something to show it. True love, Jesus love, agape love, requires that we become it. We become it. And that we embody love by embodying Christ. There is no more perfect unity. So let's pray. God, we thank you for the invitation to see this truth for what it is today. The invitation to receive you deeply into our souls, to know that you are alive in us, the incarnated Christ alive in us. The invitation to walk towards those who we don't understand, to walk towards our enemy, to walk towards our brothers and sisters with empathy, with understanding, wrestling in that place to help them feel loved. And also this invitation to hold our identity in you, God. And I pray that we will claim this truth, that it will not just be pretty words that we say or put up on a screen, that it will be deep truth that we are your children and that we have always been your children and that love is not a thing we do. Love is who we are. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.